This is Matt. This is Dini. Mutual Victory. Mutual Victory Podcast. Welcome. We'll call it four. All right. Yeah. Last one was probably going to be two parts. A little long. So it's two. We're four. We're going to stop counting because we're going to do this for at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We better. We better. We are. We've invested. We've invested. This is a conversation that's going to be recorded for a year. Listeners, however many handfuls of people <laughs> decide to listen to decide our podcast to listen. so i was thinking because we were talking about just all the different dynamics of musicals and movies and and things like that and then you had mentioned how we bring a lot of things back to enneagram yeah so um which is great because right before the holidays we watched well i don't know how much you watched it the kids and I watched in Canto. Yeah. I Did you watch it? Well, I was I wrapping like presents and I were, came in. Yeah. you. I was in the room more than you were, but you definitely paid attention way more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a whole different actual like segment within the musical genre. Yeah. Because there's Disney musicals and Pixar. Like, you uh-huh. know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's animated musicals too, which we didn't talk about. And we're not going to talk about that today. No. However, it did get me thinking because then I had watched a little, you know, clip on YouTube or or Facebook or something around the Enneagram characters in Encanto. And, you know, I was watching this movie and the whole time I just wanted to hug the main character. <laughs> there was so much of what was going on for Mirabelle that I was like, Oh, I I just so resonate Ooh, with wait a this. Minute. Sorry, no mean to interrupt. Spoilers? No, I'm not gonna give any spoilers. Okay. I'm no, not gonna I'm give any spoilers. Just making sure. Um, so I so I just like had this deep connection with this character and then I saw this clip that said that she was an Enneagram nine. Oh uh, <clears throat> yep, that does it. And I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense how I could like feel so much around everything that that character was um experiencing and so we talk about enneagram character types quite a bit and and i think that like i've even discovered in a, like a, a handful of articles at least around how you can use the enneagram which is a personality typing system you know we started talking about it in the last episode to help you write characters if you are right an author um yeah you can use the traits that kind of come pre-packaged in these right. in these different mainly, types well mainly one reason i think that the enneagram could be useful for that is that it not only gives you personality tendencies or strengths it also gives you like weaknesses mm-hmm. for lack of a better word like yeah. when you are not your best this type tends to do this thing which right. if you're writing a character that you want to make believable you i mean they have to have flaws so yeah. like you know what better way to like round out a character than say okay here are their strengths here are their flaws and this mm-hmm. will make them interesting and yeah super helpful if yeah. you're crafting a lot of characters yeah and and there's nine types of you know enneagram categories and within that, there are also different aspects of where your type lands on the Enneagram and there are wings that you might have. So there's a lot of different layers that go into it. It isn't like everyone in the world fits under, you know, nine boxes. There are variations within each of those boxes. There's like an evolution, of course, that takes place through these identity types and understanding uh what you're here to learn, what you're here to like unlearn, all that great stuff. And so when we're looking at, when we're watching movies now, mm, yeah, it's nearly impossible right. to get through a movie. You know, I mentioned it when we were talking about baseball movies. We we're talking about yeah. Bull Durham. That was one of the first ones I remember where and maybe this is just selfish because I was like, I think I even thought about it. I'm like, what Enneagram do you think all these people yeah. are? And for the purpose of this, like there's, I know this can go deep into like triads and yeah. like section, you know, it, it can go pretty in depth, but I think for what we're looking for right now is someone's type and their wing. Right. So like they're going to get a type that's a number 
and the wing is going to be another number that's on either side. Mm-hmm. So if you're a type one, you can have a wing that's a two or, or a, a wing that's a nine. Right. And that's just, that's as deep as we're going to kind of get. as deep as we're getting right now. <laughs> right now. Particularly because we are not in any way Enneagram experts. And actually, I think Bull Durham comes to mind because I think that I text the person in my life who is an Enneagram expert <laughs> and asked right. Jaya what she thought about this and i don't know if she had not yet seen the movie or had seen what? it so long ago unbelievable watch it i right know now. i think that she actually did end up watching it again because you should i was asking all these questions it's an amazing movie and and then of course it's always like finding affinity right so i mentioned that i resonated with maribel and then of course it dawns on you like yes of course this character would be a nine um oh, like when a character you not only can like empathize with as right. a main character, but you like really identify with as far as like their motivation, their struggle, yep. their kind of weaknesses, strengths, something like that. Yeah. I, I see like a mirror held up in front of me of like, oh shit. Who, I, fun usually. fact, she is voiced by Stephanie Beatrice, who plays Rosa, Rosa. Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Which is so funny because it's one of those things where like, until you told me, I wouldn't have put those two together only because those are two very different voices. I know. They are. If you don't haven't watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, please do. It's hilarious. Well, now I'm like, what's the Brooklyn Nine Nine Enneagram types? Oh, I don't know. Let's how have we not we discussed this? Well, let's focus. Let's stay with Okay. I'm gonna not doing the let's stay with the Encanto. Because <laughs> this is pretty significant, I think, as far as the Enneagram, because not only did we kind of do the thing where we're like, okay, what type is each of these main characters, which is fun to do again, not only because of like, Oh, this is how they present themselves. This is how they behave. Mm-hmm. But when they're in stress, how do they behave? And right. that's a big indicator of what your kind of type is. And that's, uh-huh. it's like another layer of being like, Oh, okay. It's, it's another reason this person is this number. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and Matt's a one and damn right. I am and the one is the reformer. So we probably just want to start there. And like work our way all the way through so that oh, we didn't, we're not doing that countdown style where we no. start with nine and go to one. No, Casey we're start with one. All right. Particularly because, you know, I personally could probably list some of the shadow. We're going to call them the shadow aspects of the one. Uh, so wait, when okay, what is the shadow aspect of the one? This is like when a one is in stress and they no, do these things or like we're not going to get into stress and growth okay. and blah 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 so we're not going to stress points growth points we're just going to type and wing yeah and, and like, like and just a general positive and negatives of those types right okay. it's like a, a one a one is really great at having a solid moral compass and knowing in like their very being around right and wrong right and like, and so you know the first one that I'm going to mention as far as like pop culture, right? Right. I thought of two. Because, oh, which ones did you think of? Well, the first one that we're both thinking of probably is Captain America. Captain America, which hands is down, contemporary, perfect one. And then in I every go, way, since he is Marvel, I go to DC, which is Superman. Right. Although you wouldn't know it by watching any current DC movie. It's true. <laughs> current Superman does not behave like Superman. No. But tradi- like Christopher Reeve Superman, mm-hmm. like. You know, total one, total one. Like he, when he rescues Lois Lane with from the helicopter scene, and then she's like, "Who are you?" He's like a friend, like, right? Ooh, I get chills, literal chills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Superman, Captain America, very clearly defined moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, very unlikely to waver from that compass as well. Right, which can be a you know a sticky point in its shadow aspect if if there isn't any opportunity for there to be like wiggle room or reevaluation you know like that sense of right and wrong and and really really high standards uh the the trickiness with ones is that the perfectionism can get so intense that criticism can get so intense too Mm. you know like criticism from a one to someone else both ways themselves and others yeah uh um, should also disclaimer where i think a lot of the examples at least that i'm gonna think of are <laughs> mcu marvel based because you're like moral compass for a one i'm like oh yeah like in captain american civil war like yes. 
he was very adamant that we are not signing these things and here's why. Mm-hmm. And there is yep. no wavering from this. this because course. integrity is so important. Integrity is like, it it will supersede anything else that's going on. It's like the one having integrity in what they say and what they do and how they work and, and who they relate to. Like the integrity is, is really high up there. And I, you know, and because... and everything is like so subjective, right? Because those things are things that I value. Obviously, I married a one. It's hard for me to find characters that are ones. And like, you know, aside from their criticism, you know, Captain America can be pretty uh, intense when people are not making good choices. Like he's going to make it really clear that they're messing everything up, you know, Mm. like that they're like, to blame. Um, but I do have a hard time finding ones that are in like their super shadow aspect. Ned Stark though. Now I'm not a super game of Thrones fan and I did read the first book and I've watched some because the violence gets me. Yeah. It's pretty hard. And I run away. So, um, yeah, he would be the, the most one, like number one, Enneagram type in that show. That show's tricky because it's it's well, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of gray area in the characters. Right. Like George R. R. Martin was pretty in an interview. He said something like, "There's no real good characters, hero, hero yeah. or like all bad. Like they all occupy this sort of like more realistic. We're like, yeah, they'll be on the good end slash selfish, evil, quote unquote, end. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, I mean, they will have human aspects where like they again, they'll have flaws, they'll have weaknesses." Um, they're not going to be perfect. So what do you think that Ned Stark's flaws are in the context of being a one? Well, I guess he's, a, I mean, he is maybe too optimistic because in the first season and book, the whole, like his struggle is his friend, Robert, who's the king comes to find him and says, be my hand, uh-huh. which means you have to leave the North, travel thousands of miles and live in King's Landing away from your home and family. I mean, my last hand died. I need you. You're my best friend. Right. Duty. You know, yeah. Duty. Calls, duty duty literally. calls, literally. And Ned is naive enough, I think, which is a kind of could be a one trait as well for looking at mm-hmm. like Captain America, where like he believes in the good in people and thinks that this is something he can be good at and he can contribute to, um, to his detriment. I mean, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, if you haven't read that book or seen the show. Right. <laughs> it doesn't end well for him or the Starks. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we could go to the place of like, what did he have to, what was he willing? What is a one willing to give up in the name of duty and integrity, mm. right? So like, it's that like literal hill you're going to die on right. potentially because of integrity and duty. Yeah, I mean, in his head, it was just like, well, we'll I'll take Sansa and Arya and leave you the boys mm-hmm. and... They'll grow up in the South. It'll be fine. Like, we'll all reunite, you know. But still, I mean, like, what was he willing to risk or have? It was like that cohesive family unit where it's like, okay, we're going to, these can all be separated for, like, we're going to separate the pack, essentially, for a while, you know. Yeah. So, um, so that's the one. And it's interesting, too, because I think that, you know, we could talk a little bit about the wings of, um, of Steve Rogers of Captain America is probably a nine. He does have that, like, you know, it's tricky in the context of being an Avenger or being a soldier. And he does have that peacemaker longing of a nine. Whereas Ned Stark's wing, I think is a two. He's also a helper. So that's the other reason he wasn't going to be able to say no to this, like call to action and duty. Um, And the two, so the helper character or... or Wait, any, can I mention some other... I mentioned more Enneagram ones. ones. If people aren't as diehard MCU, DC... <laughs> and Game of Thrones. Sci-fi fantasy nerds. Atticus Finch. Oh, yeah. Atticus is Finch. One, is a good Makes one. Makes sense. Um, McGonagall. Yep. And Hermione Granger, I think, is also one. Really? Did you say she's one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Reformer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um... I mean, we just continued to name further nerdy universes, though. So, well, we uh, we hit 
to kill a mockingbird. That's and I'm like, what is the Enneagram types of like the golden girls? We don't know that. I have not seen it enough to <laughs> reference. So the helper. Which is number two. Is number two. And um, so, of course, like twos can have the wings of a one or the wing of a three. And that has, you know, a lot. The the immediate helper that comes to mind all the time is Samwise Gamgee. Oh, that's what I was going to say, too. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, in every way, Sam is this you know, such a willing, um, able, I I mean, so much about Sam, I think makes him the actual hero. Oh, 100%. Without a doubt. Um, in Frodo fails. (laughs) We're going to get into this. He's standing on the, in Mount Doom and he decides to, he's like, he is at the literal end of his quest. He's like, you know, screw it. Okay. Okay. One, (laughs) let's back it up a little bit because, Frodo didn't fail. He was there. And this is this is what the Enneagram teaches us, right? Is like on our own, we don't work. Like being able to acknowledge and see and interact with people who have different types and different strengths and different ways of being in the world actually makes us stronger. And so, yes, the the goal would not have uh been a success if Frodo was by himself and nobody is an island. So, you know, there there were so many pieces to that whole story that demonstrate the requirement of all of the different parts of the Enneagram for it to work. I mean, Frodo couldn't do it alone. It was a, a fellowship for a, a reason. Can I say a very one thing? Yes. Saying Frodo failed was not a judgment. It was an evaluation. Okay. All right. Well, but noted. No. <laughs> but, noted. No, but like Sam's quest is to help Frodo. To be like that's the why he's there. Helper. For like, for like you know, it starts off with just like I'm helping uh well the movie paints it like as a very friend right relationship. I think the books they're a little bit different in age. For like Frodo's a little older. So mm-hmm. like Frodo is a little bit more Sam senior. And Sam's wanting to. And Sam's wanting, but still, it's like it's it's slightly more of an intergenerational relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hobbits lived to, you know, Bilbo was a hundred and eleven or something when right. his birthday in the beginning of the book or something. But I think there's a slightly different age gap. But I think the, and I think the basis of the relationship was like in the British military, uh-huh. like a Batman, like a, a an officer would have a Batman who was uh, someone of a lower rank whose job it was to like help and assist and you know, basically be the helper to this officer. Right. Um, and in, I think the movie didn't want to like cast Sam as, or cast Frodo as the superior. So they made it more of like they were friends, friends peers. But cl- peers, but clearly mm-hmm. Sam's job is to, you know, help and really, you know, be the hero. So this would be interesting to look into then because it sounds like book Sam probably was more of a two helper with a three wing because he wanted to prove his worth to this superior officer. Whereas Sam in the movies is much more of a two helper one wing where he has that integrity. He has like, this is what is right and wrong, Mr. Frodo. Like, it, Yeah, especially I think with the introduction in movie two with Gollum. Yeah. I like this is not right. Like, yep. He's shady. We should mm-hmm. stay the court, you know, kind of stuff. And he also has you know, such better balance around the energy of the ring, you know? Sam does? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, what is that? I mean... I think that would be more Enneagram 1 because I think Enneagram 3 would long for that. Well, it's it's a really good point. Yeah. And my, my thing, I would say, well, Frodo had a much more deeper connection with the ring because he was a ring bearer for... Like, he held it for so much longer where right. Sam was next, like, not actually... The bit. I mean, he was a ring bearer for a little bit because when you think Frodo dies, in yeah, Return but of the he King, didn't have the craving for the ring the way that other characters responded when right. they saw the ring. And I think, well, right, like not like Boromir, right? You know what I mean, like that kind of craving. I think even Frodo resisted the craving as long as he could, mm-hmm. but he just had it for so long. Where, like, you know, how long can you have this thing before it just 
consumes you kind of thing. You right. Know? Um, yeah, Sam. Oh, let's watch Lord of the Rings. Well, speaking of Lord of the Rings, um, well, before I go on to three, I also think that Spider-Man is a two. Particularly Ooh. because we just watched the new Spider-Man movie and I was watching oh, this and the like extra emphasis on being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a very two you know, wanting to just be universally useful and helpful and intervene and in an anonymous way, like Mm. being willing to Mm -hmm. help out without caring at all about the glory is definitely a two. That's a really good point. And I think he is at that point, he is the only superhero in the Marvel movies that has a secret identity. Oh, really? I think because like, well, in Iron Man one in 2008, like it ends with him being like, "Yeah, I'm Iron Man," right? Which I think was improved by Robert Downey Jr. And they Sounds about right, yeah. And, well, and they kept it in because like they're, the filmmakers like, okay, now <laughs> we're removing that idea of a superhero's alter Secret. ego, which is like a staple of superheroes. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, no, all the heroes are going to have names and faces, and everyone's going to know who they are. Yep. Uh, maybe no. I was going to say maybe Black Panther. Right. Maybe, but I mean. Uh, but no. Well, I mean, I guess like in the in outer the, world, right? Like, and everyone knows Steve Rogers. Everyone knows Tony Stark, Thor. Like they don't hide their identities. Yeah, maybe. And in Wakanda, he wasn't. It wasn't a secret, right? You know, yeah. It and was, he didn't really operate in the outside world on the world stage as much. Mm. I'm trying yeah. to remember, I don't know. But yeah, he's got a secret identity. Oh, good call. And like there, like. I can't think of another um, Enneagram type that would be as bold as, um, you know, invested, all in, enthusiastic about their superhero status in that way, and also be like... Be anonymous. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and, and not just anonymous, but that's actually part of their thing. You know, hmm. like they they like that they get to be anonymous and the... yeah. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, two. That's brilliant, honey. Oh, it's good. I'm, I'm brilliant with my yeah assessment. Duh. Uh, I I was thinking about it a lot when we watched the newer movie. So you know, oh, no spoilers or anything. No spoiler, like that. but it was so uh, good. It was so it good. It was the best MCU movie since Endgame. That's what she said. Yeah, yeah I stand by it. Like yeah. the the other ones were okay. Like I thought Chang Chi was fine. I was entertained. I liked I liked Chang Chi. I think she was good. That was good. Eternals was horrible. We're not talking about <laughs> superhero movies oh, today. Like, here's we the thing: talk my, about that on a different day. My brain, so I should put it in your pocket. I shouldn't even said it because my brain, my train of thought, if we're going with Inside Out, just like got stuck in like, you know, those runoffs they have for tractor trailers, <laughs> yeah. where like the just gravel just went over into Marvel. It just no, like talking about Eternals. When, land. I, when I talk to it about Eternals, mm-hmm. it just stops. So, okay, all right, I gotta. Well, I'm going to distract you okay. with moving you over into Enneagram 3, okay. which is the Achiever, good, which brings me back to Boromir. Okay, good. Because now we're in the realm of I don't... I think once we hit 3, 5, and 6, I know very little about. Mm. So I shall stop talking. But but you know about Boromir. So, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, go ahead. So if we're to, if we're to look at like the Temptation of the Ring and achievement and getting something wanting something you know the the achiever oh yeah just really does step into that role of like of not only um i've earned it because that doesn't even matter all the time for threes it's like it's like well of course i naturally am going to get this thing like such fierce uh ability to be valuable and worthwhile at nearly any cost okay. when they're in their shadow. Um, they they just want to be really, really high achievers. And it isn't a high achiever for like internal satisfaction. Mm, yeah. It's high achiever uh, it's high achieve high achieving because of getting status oh, or yeah. people seeing them as being much more worthy or valuable than they were before. So Which, it's well, like um if a three is in their like their healthy glory, 
right? They're, they're able to be in a place of like genuine authenticity. And if they're not, they can even like be deceitful. Like, are they looking for accolades? Is hmm? that what, like their motivation yeah, they is want like it. accolades. They're doing because they're, they believe something should be done with a heavy amount of wanting praise. Wanting to or be recognized? elevate their status. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's beyond praise. It's like to be the best. Oh, yeah. Well, you mean, you, again, if we're thinking of Boromir, mm-hmm. movie Boromir, in the Council of Elrond, he's like, we should have this ring for for Gondor. Like, we need to bring this, right. like, give us this weapon of the enemy. We'll wield it with all the power. Mm-hmm. And we'll... Gondor will be the best. We will save Middle-earth. And, and in movie two, there's an extended scene that was cut out where, like, I think it's a flashback. Or I think... No, wait. Faramir, his brother, has a flashback about Boromir and they, with his father, Denethor. Uh-huh. And yep. the father's like, hey, Boromir, go get this weapon. It, it's, it should be here. It'll mm-hmm. be great for us. You're my favorite son anyway. Go do something that this other jabroni, Faramir, can't do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Status. Status. Achievement. You know, they're, they're the achiever. Um, the, <laughs> the, ga- the, the one character, and I don't know why, because this is like totally out of the genres that we've been talking about. Um, Gaston is should, a three. We should expand our genres. That's fine. Okay, good. Uh, so Gaston, Gaston oh, okay. is a, is a three. It's like, um, well, no one cooks like Gaston. No one does anything like Gaston. You know, that, that is like the mantra of oh. an achiever is like, and now I can't, no one fights like Gaston. No one hunts like Gaston. Like that whole scene where he's got all That's the trophies right. of the dead things and he's Every eating. Every last inch of him. Is covered with hair. Every last I guess he is the most, he's the best at also being hairy. That was a lot of chest pubes for a Disney movie. It really was an extraordinary <laughs> amount. How many sexual awakenings happened? With Gaston? Hey, man. Well, I mean, maybe we were just, they were just easing Belle into like beast. No, hair. I meant like chill, people watching this movie were like, wait a second. Oh. Like, was this their Susan Sarandon? Were they like, wait oh, a second? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> And uh, and because we can't help but you know even with the fact that J.K. Rowling is extraordinarily disappointing right. in all Disclaimer, things, we will reference Harry Potter almost um, all not all the time. We will reference Harry Potter. We will. A lot. We will. And hashtag J.K. Rowling is garbage. True. Uh, Draco Malfoy is a classic. Oh three. yeah. Okay. He's a classic yeah. three. It's like <clears throat> not only do must i be the best and slytherin's gonna win the house cup and you know uh all the pure blood stuff oh you know what interesting sorry i don't interrupt but if we're talking about threes being draco malfoy and boromir is the toxic fathers is that like a trait or like something that happens that like for, for threes where like the need to have this status is just forced upon them by well, in their case, it's a toxic father figure, but it could be a... Because Malfoy's father will hear about this. It's almost certain. Right. So is it... Um, well, is it toxic or is it coming from a place of... Are you uh, asking me if Lucius Malfoy is toxic? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I'm asking if like, if the if some of the things that go into the, the nurture part of showing up in this lifetime as a three might come into play with with just being a part of a family unit where it is commonplace to talk about how you're better than others because boromir was royalty Mm, no he wasn't that's no he was like denethor wasn't noble in any well i mean maybe some sort of nobility as far as like ruling class because denethor's father is uh the steward like he's like the caretaker of the throne, but they're not the kings. I mean, that's kind of oh, like, so right, right. The, so it's like kings. So it's like it's still it still does go back to like status. Status yes, yes, is clearly absolutely. a message. Right. Oh yeah. And you know we're we're picking characters that possibly use mm. toxic means to get their families to jump on board. This is fascinating. Mm, this is. <laughs> Um, You're nailing it, honey. And, you know, and the other thing that the 
healthy threes. I mean, I would also just as easily say that Ron Weasley is a three. Okay. What's three? The achiever? Yeah. Okay. And and doing things for the sake of getting people to notice that they've done things. Mm. Really longing a, to be the best. Could that be a byproduct of his birth order? Like he's very low on the Weasleys and there have been many high achieving Weasleys before him. So is he looking at them like, ugh. Because what, what does he see when he walks in front of the mirror of, of uh, Erised? Right. He's head boy. He's got the house cup. Achiever, achiever, yeah. achiever. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, right. it's that scene where Ron is, you know, I'm just like, we just named kind of the, <laughs> not the like, yay, we love this character. So I was evening it out with. You're trying to get some also, positive threes. If anyone's like, I so identify being a three. Is Susan Sarandon in Bull Durham a three? I don't think she's a three. No? She, oh, wait, no. Maybe I'm thinking of two. Because her job is to help yeah. players. She, I think that okay. she would be a two. Scratch that then. Yeah. All right. So that's three. So that's three. There's four. Four is the individualist. I already am love exhausted. <laughs> I don't love it or hate it. As a one and an introvert, it usually exhausts me. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. And it's, well, I mean... There, you know, again, there's a big continuum of what it looks like to be a four. So because we've been like pretty heavy Lord of the Rings, it's silly for me to not say Frodo's a four. Like Frodo is a four. Fours, you know, tend to be like, yes, they're individual, but they're they're like sensitive and they're really in touch with their own emotions. And they can have this experience moving through life like they have to find themselves. They have to have like a personal, deep, significant experience that, you know, kind of defines. It's it's like fours. Pro- I would even wager that the majority of actors are fours. Oh, absolutely. Like very creative, able yeah. to like step into different personas and like try them on and, and um, like. And not even like, I won't say seek the spotlight like it's a bad thing, but like step into the spotlight where. Right. You can come and not even in a bad selfish way. I don't even mean it that way. Like you can command a scene. Like you yeah. walk you have, you walk into a room and people pay attention, you know, charisma. Like those are all kind of like And yet with all fortress. of that, they tend to be pretty like self conscious and like second guessing. Mm. Depending, you know, I mean, on awareness and, and evolution and all that. Um you know, if they're if they're not healthy, they definitely can go over into like the moody, self indulgent zone, which is what we see a lot from Frodo. And um, <laughs> it's true, we do. This whiny sob just well, can't do what he needs to do without and here's moping the other, about it. And here's the other part about it, right? Like, how are you going to be your best when you're like <laughs> sleeping on a mountainside, like completely, you know, depleted? cold hungry like it's not going to bring out the best version of a four one of my favorite fours fictional fictional and yeah. i and you're not going to i don't i don't know how much you know about this character because it's not really your jam is anne of green gables oh oh are we okay well you watched the show on netflix Anne with an e yes so but so like samuel jackson in pulp fiction <laughs> My girlfriend watches the show. My wife watches the show, which pretty much means I watch the show. Pretty much means I watch the show. Which I did enjoy. It's so cute. It was very cute. It yeah. was like, again, this show, if you're like, watch the show. Don't watch the show if you want to see epic space battle action and like <laughs> the, you know, what are the stakes? The world is going to end. No, this is a cute sh- like show on the frontier. Not even the frontier, but like, what is it? 18 something, you know? I don't even know. I don't even know. But it's like, you know. Um, I think it's supposed to be the turn of the century. Turn of the century. Rural. It was wonderful. I loved it. I thought the girl that played Anne was amazing. It was just, yeah. it was charming. It was great. I loved it. Well, and, and you as know. as soon as you say that, I'm like, yes, I could see her. And I love that you mentioned um, Pulp Fiction. Because Pulp Fiction is such a like staple movie that we watch all the time. And yet, we haven't talked a lot about Pulp Fiction Enneagram. And... Jody, minor character in this movie. 
Eric Stoltz's wife. Eric Stoltz's character's wife is totally a four. Totally a four in every way she is a four. Wait, which one is she? The one with all the shit in her face? (laughs) You're just quoting the movie now. Yeah. I'm just quoting the movie now? This is literally 30% of what I say is quoting movies. 40% of our conversations. (laughs) Our our banter. Um, Yeah. And and so fours, Mm -hmm. like, they have that... You know, they, they do command a room. You, you notice them. You recognize their charisma. And when they're not in their balanced state, you know, they can be overly dramatic. And um, thank you, Jody. <laughs> and, and all and need, you know, a lot of affirmation all and right. things like that. So we have Frodo. We have Anne of Green Gables. Two, two very different character descriptions or explanations and then loki is a four hands down loki is a four yeah totally absolutely and loki's like loki's one of those interesting characters because it's like you have if you have any awareness of like the marvel universe well you better if you made it this far (laughs) (laughs) or you stopped listening a long time ago so we're good if you're if you're still listening to us and you haven't (laughs) learned the mcu and marvel is I can give you a list. I can give you a truncated list of movies to watch. Give you a very like, clear list. Are there, well, there's 24. Yeah. But I can, can give you five. An abbreviated. Yeah, yeah. The five you need to. Like Loki has these moments of just like, hell yeah, Loki. And Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a great character because like you throughout his stories in the Thor movies and Avengers movies, you both don't really like him. Kind of annoyed amused by him then he's the straight up villain right and then like you like him again perfect example of a four and then and then think of i'm thinking of his end in infinity war like ignoring the show i've only seen the show once right yeah there's a lot going on but you think it you know spoiler spoiler alert his fate in infinity war i mean i remember audible gasps in the theater Audible. i was like oh my god you know what it was how good that was and again, hashtag JK Rowling is garbage. But in book mm-hmm. seven, Deathly Hallows book, uh-huh. when I open that book up, I'm like, there better be a high body count. High body because count. Because if this is all just everyone's fine, then there's no tension. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hedwig dies. I'm like, oh my God, no one's no safe. No one is all safe. All my friends are in trouble. That's the way it was. It was like, Loki gets his throat crushed. I'm like, oh my yep. God. Loki. Everyone is in trouble. Loki is a perfect example of a four and you know that (sighs) when he is at his best it's really clear that he's at his best it's easy to even be like oh i'm totally on team loki and then when he's not it's like this character has not thought for one second how their behavior affects anyone else like it's just like i can do this so i'm gonna do it to invade new york city (laughs) with the army of the chitari aliens why not this sounds like a fun this thing for me to do fine. right now. I think there's even a scene. Thor's like, have you thought about this? And right. Like, no. Maybe. No. No thinking know. about it. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. So we're going to do five, the investigator, and then we'll do the rest on the next episode. Okay. Ooh, we just did the, we just finished the penultimate Enneagram type for this episode. We did? Yeah. Number four. It's the second to last. Penultimate is second to last. We just did four, so we're going to do five. That's what penultimate means? Yeah. Second to because last. Because it sounds like means much more epic things than that. It's pretty epic. All right. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Penultimate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the investigator. So the investigator is harder personally for me when I'm looking at Enneagram types because they don't tend to be like lead roles often. Um, and I'm going to go outside of the genres again that we've been talking about because Good. we need to expand. We, I need to expand because we desperately have to freaking culture here. Honey. Talk Please about help me. Well, okay. 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 This isn't out. This one isn't outside of your scope. Okay. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Too. That's what you were okay. thinking. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's literature. It counts. Totally counts. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally a five. Absolutely a five. What's Watson? Two. Ah, <sighs> Watson might be a nine. Oh, okay. We'll talk about him later. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, my, like, my, 
awareness of Watson is very limited to the TV show. So I don't, I'm not a good judge on that okay. one. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is a five. Investigators, not surprising based on their name, uh, are very cerebral. There is so much thinking, thinking, thinking. They're, you know, they're thinking and overthinking can often come to that place of like a concern that they might be incapable of something or they might be inequipped, not not prepared isn't not mentally prepared, like not having all the information. Um, They love to solve puzzles and riddles and, uh, you know, they're when they're, when they're really, really healthy, they can be really perceptive to what's going on because they, already have so much baseline information that they can tap into their perception when they're unhealthy they can be like pretty emotionally detached so so here's a question yeah you say sherlock holmes and i go to another fictional detective okay batman <laughs> what was that sigh i don't want to talk about batman <gasps> i know okay I know. okay can we just pause i'm learning something new about you no you're not and i'm not a fan you're not learning something new. I just avoid all Batman conversations okay. because. Okay. This is going to take a direction that it shouldn't go. I know. <laughs> We're going to get into a Batman fight and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Okay. So I don't think that Batman is a five. Okay. So whatever my personal opinion is of Batman, it is nothing to do with Zenniagram type and he's not a five. He's an inspiration think. to Gotham City. He's definitely not that. I said Batman is not Bruce Wayne. Now, here's the question that made me think of it, though. Batman, Bruce Wayne, kind of like Clark Kent, Superman, would they have different any? Well, what are their different Enneagrams? I would maintain that they do. Like I, e- would, I would say that they have the same Enneagram type, and then they're at different levels of really? growth, stress. You would say Clark Kent and Superman have the same? Okay. Yes. All right. I guess I could see that. Okay. Yes. Most definitely. Now, would they differ with wings? They might differ with wings. They might differ if they're like spending more time in their growth point or their stress point or blah, blah, blah. Like we. All right. Now here. Too many layers to get into. Maybe not Superman, Clark Kent, but I think a better example of one person of like this. Like I think Batman Bruce Wayne could have a different Enneagram type. Just throwing it out there. Maybe. But I'm, you know what? Apparently my judgment, you... my, my bias is clouding my ability. Okay, then we don't have to talk so about something. So I got to think about it. We don't have to talk about something that I've loved and enjoyed my entire life. And it was very important to my formative years as a child determining right and wrong. We can just gloss over that. Okay. Okay. And never return to it again. Knowing so, if you say anything like this, it will break my my heart as a child. My, my spirit will be shattered. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to, in the spirit of not shattering your spirit, because I'm a nine. Thank you. I'm going to say, my guess is that both Bruce Wayne and Batman are also ones. Really? Yes. But we're not talking about this right now because we already talked about one and I can't talk about Batman. We don't talk about Batman. We're going to change the lyrics to we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> we don't talk about Batman. <laughs> I didn't know it was this bad. Okay. Anyway. Okay, uh, I'm going to do the best compartmentalizing I can right now and just put this i'm gonna put that in the box and we'll open that later excellent that's probably right, so good. wait so other fives we think about other fives okay so here's a five <clears throat> that i'm gonna throw out there that okay. is not it's again not within the genres that we've been talking about good. we need more genre i need more genres hannibal lecter is a five really hell yeah yes and investigator yes. what about clarice starling who literally investigates does she? Yeah, she does. She does, and she's not a five. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to quote the Big Lebowski. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting, fucking man. Interesting. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yes. We, we have not, I mean, other than Loki, we haven't really tapped into the villains in our examples. Well, and here's a good, so here's a good example of a five. Snape is a five. Okay. And so, in one hand, and, and much of the, you know, movies, books, whatever, he played that villain role really, really well. Right. He essentially 
essentially was. And yet he also wasn't. Right. So for the for the duration of most of the story and our participation in it as a right reader viewer, essentially a villain type. Definitely a villain type. Um, so fives can can you know go to that like okay. That. What is it about a five that? I mean, this is a deep question, but like, what is it? The fu- like, I mean, this is you bring up Hannibal Lecter. That's pretty most clearly definitely a villain. What is it about a five that leads towards uh, making good villains? Um, I think it it's when they're not in their growth aspect and they have that shadow aspect of being very detached from other people's emotions okay. and therefore not, you know, uh, kind of becoming uh, like, like nihilistic. sociopathic almost? Nihilistic. <laughs> okay. Nihilistic. And so you just said Big Lebowski. Okay. Maud. Maud. Which I think a lot of people, I think I looked this up and people were like, Maud's a four, Maud's a four. I'm like, she's Maud's not a, a four, four just because she's an artist. No. She's a five. She's a five. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Bunny might be a four. I think Bunny is probably a three. Okay. All right. So let's go back to Maud. Anyway. Okay. Um, you know, so it's like it it's accumulating so much knowledge, so much culture, even, if that is, you know, the particular flavor of knowledge. Uh accumulating abilities to solve things that are difficult to solve. And sometimes when you're trying to to do those things, you have to separate from... Ooh, here's what you just made me think of. Would Sheldon Cooper be a five? Sheldon Cooper is definitely a five. Nice. Oh, yeah. I, did such, I nailed it. You definitely nailed it. Yeah, Sheldon Cooper is a five. If we go the, into the Big Bang Theory, yeah, Enneagram... All those things you just said made me think of him like detached... Inquisitive, investigative, yep. smart, you know. Okay. I mean, Sheldon um, Cooper is basically a young Hannibal Lecter who has yet to result in cannibalism. Well, that's the thing is like Hannibal's a doctor, surgeon, right? Mm, I don't know. If, or was well, he a no, doctor, doctor? He was a PhD doctor. No, I think he was. Uh, that's a good question. Don't remember. And I just watched Red Dragon. Huh. I think he's definitely an MD. Okay. Maybe. So it could be that like level of, you know, we're not, we didn't even get into the things like self-pres being a social. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. It's too, it's too complicated. But Sheldon from Big Bang Theory is definitely a five and he has a six wing. And something that I've noticed too, sometimes in pop culture characters is like, you know how like they talk when you're writing about making a foil your character You're like right. a lot of times flipped wings will will be like their counter character so like f- leonard is a six wing five. Oh, is that what you mean when flipped like, flipped. like- so sheldon so two main characters sheldon is a five wing six and leonard is uh, a six wing five okay. foil, uh, you mentioned that when we watched what was that show bbc foils war foils war yeah you said foil and that's the first time i ever heard that term mm. in in that context so You've impressed me that day. Oh. This was years ago, too. You've been impressing me for years. I've been impressing you. You better keep right. it up. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> well, it's the idea that, like, they're, I mean, you know, they're exact opposite. Right. Will. I mean, it creates great, you know, narrative Dynamic. possibility, right? It's like, you know, right. what better to, wa- do you want to watch two people that like, agree all the time? I like this. Right. I like this thing, too. No, oh, good talk. Yeah. But it can't. And it can't always be like butting heads, butting heads, butting heads, because that, right. you know, it's like where do, where Sheldon and Leonard overlap, they overlap and where they don't, they mm. don't. And that's what creates the like moves the story along. Right. And I think I was talking about it too in the context of like you and I and our Enneagram types, because you're a one wing nine mm-hmm. and I'm a nine wing one. Right. I can, I can kind of move over into my eight wing at times. And, you know, we tend to be in that like flip zone right so it's like two the nine wing one v one wing nine or the kirk spock kirk spock yep yeah any of those the kirk spock 
let's say situation. We haven't done any Star Trek. We haven't. That's weird. It is weird. Okay. Well, well maybe we'll do a little retroactive Star Trek. We'll start off next time. We can loop in some up. Star Trek yeah. for the six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Well, we should talk about <laughs> Spock and Kirk. Well, old school. Like probably when we do, it'll be old school Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. not new Kirk and Spock. Oh, I like new Kirk and Spock too. I like them. They're fine. All right. right. Well, next time. Six through nine. Six through nine. And more pop culture references. So many. I mean, I would like to say we're getting this all out. (laughs) And after this, we won't refer, make any references to anything that's ever That would be incorrect. That would be false. I don't know how to communicate with people. (laughs) Without them? Without them. Right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's why we we get to be really mindful when we're in company that is outside of our the dynamic of our relationship right. or our children because we forced them we into consuming well, this pop culture. I'm glad I did because like I can make these references and seeing that they landed with you and you understood them and got them and even enjoyed them. I was like, okay, I'm glad you enjoy this because mm-hmm. this is this will this is in your future too. This is in your future too. <laughs> Well, a little well, bit made a, you fall in love with me faster. Well, I mean, we should say this is in your future too is a great story, which maybe we'll start next episode. With this is in your future too. This is too. in your future. That's going to be the title. Well, well, we'll have to because, you know, we can talk about how uh, my mother-in-law that I think is the best mother-in-law in the whole world is also a nine. So. <laughs> so we'll do that. That's how we'll start next time. This is Matt. This is Dee Dee. Victory. Victory.